freezing. You're cold. Oh. Well, so I so I've been uh, I've been discovering that halfway through the day I start feeling a little like jittery, and so I've been forced to run in the evenings just to like sweat out that jitteriness. And I'm starting to think it's the having two cups of coffee on basically an empty stomach and then eating a very small lunch. Uh-huh. And so I, Ooh. this morning literally did hot water with creamer in it uh-huh. because the thing I like about the coffee is my peppermint creamer. Oh, and so I tried that. It was absolutely terrible. And so I didn't have a second mug. So all I've had <laughs> since I woke up is a cup of hot water with creamer in it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, I'm quite cold. I have a jacket, but it's too dark for the background. Okay. So that's why I have to wear the red. Okay. That'll warm so you you, uh, <laughs> you were telling me you, you were voting last week and you ran into a, a family friend of ours. Yes, I was uh, st- actually standing in a long line. We went to vote last week and I ran into a friend um, and he was asking me what I was up to. I was telling him, uh, telling him that and he was filling me in on, on what was going on with him. But he came back around to on to the things that I was talking about, and he said, uh, and he looked at me, and he said, you know, Mike, I, I don't want you to take this wrong, um, but I'm I'm kind of jealous of of you. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you know, like you found something with Strong Catholic Dad that you're really passionate about and driven to go and and make a difference. He's like, I I don't I don't have that. Um, like I'm I'm working, I I'm providing for my family, and that's that's all good. But I I really wish that I had something that I was I was chasing after with the same zeal uh, that you have, and that brought up a really good point of like you know what what are we what are we living for? Um, what is especially in this particular case? It's you know during during my work time. What is what's the important thing that I'm going to uh, focus on? And, um, and if I'm in a situation, cause I've been in situations of that before in my life where, um, where I was working, I was questioned like, what, what am I doing? What am I here for? You know, sometimes it's painful. We don't want to ask that question because <laughs> we know the answer. It's like, I'm, I'm not happy with where I'm at right now. I, I was part of a men's group back when I was living in Indianapolis. And this was four or five years ago. Now I was fairly new in my you know, in my film company and, and fu- to- fully on fire with it. And it just blew my mind. Every single other guy in that group was doing a job that paid the bills. Mm-hmm. And like some of them were mi- flat out miserable. Like every week we'd say, Hey, what's the update for this week? Oh, I hate my job. It's this, this, mm-hmm. and that. I'm like, well, then why don't you quit? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know where else I would go. It pays good. You know, right, right. I can't, I can't afford that. And th- that stands in, if you're going to spend a third of your day, five days a week on something, mm-hmm. you would hope that that thing would would be something where you could be fully alive with that work. Um, but I know that you know you for the first what was it eight nine years of of your working life were doing something that I guess you liked, but it was long hours and not something right. you were crazy passionate about. You, you were in sales and you said before you got your job in sales that you would never get a job in sales. So I don't want to hear some like story about how that was your favorite thing ever. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I, gosh, there's an interesting, there's an interesting um, combination between being dutiful and doing what you know you need to do to pay the bills, and then also still listening to like what God is teaching me through this because God promises us the cross. You know, if if you if you love me, take up your cross and follow me. Um, but then there's this other side of things where God 
clearly says um, that that he came to give us the abundant life. So it's like the cross and the abundant life, the cross and the abundant life. And then that's the challenge. So I, I go back to when I started in sales, which I, I didn't realize it was a sales job when I started into it, which is how I launched into it is because I thought it was a service, telephone service job. Um, and I hated it. Actually, I was dreading going to work every day. Uh, and, and my poor wife on Sundays, I would stop eating uh, like right afternoon and I usually wouldn't eat dinner. And she's like, well, what's wrong? And I was like, my stomach is in knots. I have to go back to that job on, on Monday. And so it was terrible. <laughs> um, but what was interesting, I stayed with that job for, gosh, it was probably around nine years. Um, and what happened through it there were there were ups and downs uh, where there were time, many times in the beginning that I hated it. Uh, yet the evidence of circumstance uh, was that that is what I needed to be doing at the time. I did have a resume together. I was putting it out to see what other things would come together. I didn't. God didn't show me another door to go through. So the uh, the lesson in that is is you've got to be looking, be open if there's another door that God's opening up. And at the time, he didn't open up another door. Um, I was uh, offered a, um, a, a a full-blown commission job that I, I mean, it's its a funny story because I, I, I swore I wasn't going to take the job. Uh, I, I went up, interviewed, did well, came back. And as I... Uh, as I was driving back, I was depressed because I thought they're going to offer me this job. I don't want this job. And I drove out literally from beneath a bank of clouds and the sun was shining gloriously. And I and it just occurred to me, I was like, this is my life. I don't have to do this job. And so I, I, I the rest of the drive home, I was so, uh, so happy. And I uh, got back, saw my wife, Maria, and she said, how'd it go? I said, it went great. And she's like, wow, you seem enthusiastic. I said, I am enthusiastic. And she said, so you can take the job? I'm like, no, that's what I'm enthusiastic about is this is my life and I don't have to do this sales job. And she's like, well, wait a second. <laughs> and so turned into a, another conversation. Um, they didn't offer me the job for about three months. Uh, and uh, two, two to three months later, they came down to my office uh, to offer me the job. And when they, when the manager showed up, she said, uh, she said, Michael, I'd like to take you out for lunch. And I said, okay. And she said, you know, there's actually some other people in the office who are interested in coming up to this uh, advancement office too. We'll, we'll all go out together. And I said, sure. So we went out to lunch together and the other people were so excited about the type of job that I was getting that they talked to this manager the whole time. <laughs> at the end of lunch, we hadn't spoken much at all. The manager said, hey, why don't we drive in the car back to the office together. And I said, okay. And so we're in the car and she gets off on a tangent. She starts talking about something completely different. We get back to the office. Uh, I go sit down at my desk, call Maria. And she's like, okay, you know, so what happened? And I, and she said, you turned down the job, right? And I said, you know what? It was really weird. She never offered me the job. And, uh, and Maria was like, what are you talking about? I said, it was weird, whatever. And she, and I said, but I could tell her no, because there's no way I'm not going to not taking the job. Uh, two hours later, it just so happened that I had a great day. The afternoon went well. I was in a kind of a happy-go-lucky mode. She pulled me into the conference room and said, hey, you know, Michael, I, I, I don't know what happened at lunch. I, I had intended to ask you something, didn't get the chance to. You interviewed great. We'd love to offer you the job up north. And I said, and this voice actually sim eerily similar to my own said, sure. 
<laughs> I remember thinking, was that just me? Uh, did I just say that? Um, and that, like, and this is a great example. And I did. I accepted the job. I called Maria and I said, hey, they offered me the job. And she said, and you said no. And I said, no, I, I took it. She said, what, what are you talking about? I said, I don't, I don't know. I just thought like, what the heck? You know, like, go for it. Um, and so I, th- I look at that as like how God just does a phenomenal job if he kept waiting until the p- moment that I was actually open <laughs> to saying yes. And I said yes. I went up, took that job, and I hated it um, for at least, uh, gosh, probably for nine months. And I was trying to interview for other, other, other jobs. And what happened is at some point I was at this breaking point um, where I was having a tough time and the, and. Um, and something shifted where I had, I continued to do what they taught me to do. Um, and I just got this break and, uh, I was in this selling in this particular market and I started getting these sales that had actually already been made by somebody else and they were just given to me and I hadn't really worked for them. And so I like, I calmed down cause I wasn't worried about how to p- pay the bills. Cause I had this give me this uh these sales again that i didn't hadn't earned and the upshot of that is as i was i wasn't so freaked out about what i was doing all those different things that i had learned for the past year and a half started to come home to roost and i actually got better at it and then i started to succeed on my own like i actually started doing pretty well um at that point i was starting to enjoy the job so this job i was trying to get the heck out of (laughs) for a year and a half i started to enjoy um and i think you know like god like I, I love the idea of like what's the evidence of circumstance? What's happening today? Because um, I needed to, there needed to I needed to carry the cross enough um, and not just throw it off because like okay I shouldn't be doing this anymore um, until there was a clear another door to open. And in this case, the door that kept opening was staying in the same job. Um, and I went through ups and downs uh, with that job. And, and I, uh, and actually what that turned, I ended up being the top salesperson at the end of that year, like what that had begun, um, when I got that, give me a market. And then it's like, I started doing better and better and I got promoted from there. Um, but I, I think the lesson in that is, uh, there was a lot of, um, both carrying the cross and then saying, Lord, um, like I, wa- I want my heart to be alive. And there were times where it came alive in that job when I was when I had enough skill to not be freaked out about providing. Um, and then I found out ways that I could actually, I was helping my customers because I was selling advertising. And there were some big wins where there's some adver- that some uh, businesses that I helped. And then the, the business, like I would check in on them on the next year and they're like, oh, Michael, like, you know, we, we made $30,000 off of that, you know, $5,000 ad that you sold us. I was like, you know, I tried not to look too surprised. I was like, really? You know, tell me about it. And they give me the backstory. And, I, and it, so it built my confidence. Um, so there was, there was a real value in and sticking it out. But the whole time I had to be listening to say, is this the direction that you want me to go? Because the day did come where um, I was I, I was consistently doing really well. And I had won lots of awards. I was wait, making good money. But deep down in my heart, I was like, I'm not at peace. Like, I, like it's not enough for me to make a lot of money. It's not enough for me to, I mean, even though that was good and it was paying our bills, um, and then some, I mean, we, we, were, we were saving and everything. Um, but like I, I felt in my heart that, that if at the, if I died tomorrow and I've helped a lot of these businesses make money and do well, that that's good. But I feel like I'm being called to something more, um, and something different. I mean, you said early, it's on, on your bio on the strong Catholic dad website. Uh, you said early on to mom that you wanted to teach the faith to people. Mm-hmm. Right. And at that point she said, 
what would you say? <laughs> but but uh, still, that desire was there from from early on, right? Yeah, and that was uh, that was present. And actually, what started to happen, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. There were many times in the job that there was this opportunity because I really was focused in on. Like the bottom line is at the end of time, there are two places you can be, heaven and hell. And I was like, I want to go to heaven. And there's one way to get there, Jesus Christ and what he teaches. And he says, take up your cross, follow the Ten Commandments, you know, love me, love your neighbors yourself. And so I was doing my best to love my neighbor as myself through my job. And so when I was selling advertising, I was I was telling people, don't I don't think you should buy this thing, this ad over here, even though I think it'll make me money. I don't think it'll make you money. And people started to catch on the fact that I was really trying to do what was right by them. And so then they started to trust me, and which was great because there were there were other times. I mean, there's people, I, one particular uh, guy that I remember is that he said after, um, he said, the only reason I bought is because I was convin- convinced that you were sincere and you really believed in what you were telling me. And when I came back to him the next year and he had, I sold him yellow page advertising in the phone book. And he's just like, I, I made a bundle. <laughs> he's like, thank you so much. And he said, again, it was, I was buying your confidence um, and that you were trust. Like I could tell you were a trustworthy person. So, uh, but what's, what happened in these situations, which I really uh, relished is that there were a lot of side conversations that would go into the meaning of life and why we're here. Um, and you know, like what, they would be faith conversations. And oftentimes people say like, well, you know, they kind of almost whisper like, what, what, what denomination are you? Are you Christian? Are you like, cause there's something different about you. And so I was realizing that there was an advantage to my job is that I was able to connect with people in ways I never, we never would have had that conversation if I, uh, outside of the fact that we had to be together for business to get something done. So there, there, there was, that was a great opportunity. Uh, and I did have this desire to be like, you know what? I don't even want to talk about the business stuff anymore. Let's talk about your family, your kids, your faith. Like wh- where, where are you going to be not, because we kept talking, well, what's your five-year plan? You know, what's your 10-year plan? You know, what, what's your plans for this business? I want to say, what's a plan for your life? What's your, what's your million-year plan? You know, so like that was lighting up my heart. That's what I wanted to talk about. And, uh, and so it was funny when Maria, uh, when you repeated what she said, you were a lot nicer. Um, she had, it was, she, she was, she just said like, like, what would you have to say? <laughs> like, like you have, you don't know the faith very well. I said, I don't know, but I would, I'd want to talk about, you know, what's really important. So, um, but God continued to, he did two things through that. One is he never let that desire uh, die. Like it continued to be stoked where like, I wanted to do that more and more. And then, uh, and then secondly, which I, I could see with hindsight is I was building the skills to be able to talk with people with more confidence and to be able to listen better. Uh, so to listen and to respond. And I, and I, I had a prayer experience at some point where I was complaining to God and I was just like, Lord, well, why, like, why do you have me in the sales job? And it was late at night. I was driving home and, and I got the impression that our Lord said, well, like, because, um, you know, this is where I want you. I was like, I know you get what you want, but like, why, <laughs> like, why am I here? And, uh, I got the impression that he said, um, and I didn't hear audible. It's just the thought that entered my mind, which wasn't the thought that I would have had on my own. It just like came into my mind was, I want you to sell me. And I remember just stopping the time, like, oh, um, like I wasn't thinking that. And wow, if that's what you're doing, then uh, I'll, I'll learn what I need to with sales to understand. You know, and I learned that the root of the word sales is to serve and you really serve 
well, when you sell well, you serve the person. So it became this foundation for what I did next. Um, but it was that constant uh, drawing of my heart. And so he was giving me the opportunity to talk about really important things with people and still make, make money, build skill, and then move on to where, you know, into further jobs um, that uh, I was able to do more with the faith. Not right away, but it happened eventually. The the thing that really strikes me about hearing the story laid out that way, which I haven't haven't heard before, is that you did sales from 92, 93 until 2000, and then you sold rent-to-own properties from 2000, 2001 until you still have some now, but you know, full-time, full-time until 2008, and then you were working with another nonprofit from 2008 until 2018. And so kind of the fruition of that desire on your heart to, to teach the faith didn't really meet its, its full, full realization until 20, how many years after you started right. working, you know? Right. And, and it's funny because as a young person, as someone who's been working for 10 years now, straight out of high school, when I was in year two, I was like, if I haven't made a movie in three years, I failed. That was your goal. And it's to really, be, yeah. Yeah. Movie to be producer, a filmmaker. Right. Yeah. yeah. And if I haven't made a movie in three, three years, like I failed. Right. And when that three years passed and then we were two years past that and three years past that, I start looking back and be like, oh my gosh, like none of this is planning out the way that I would have written it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, right. I would have the youngest director to ever win an Oscar is Damien Chazelle and he was 32 and I'm four years away from that. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> and I'm starting to realize like, okay, this, this is not the script I would have written. Um, yeah. And so it's beautiful to hear this idea that, the desire you had on your heart wasn't backed up with the skills because you needed to develop those skills. Mm-hmm. You had to, you had to put in the hours doing the thing that was miserable. And so I think that to me, that gives me a lot of hope of realizing that if you spend, if you spend the moment by moment, if you fulfill the responsibility of, of your daily duty that God's put in front of you and you're asking on a daily basis, what I'm supposed to be doing, the answer today might not be the thing that really fulfills the desire of your heart. Right. But it is something because of God's perfect plan that inevitably you're going to look back and say, that's why that happened. Yeah. Um, but I actually want, want to flip this a little bit because I think that something that I've seen in a lot of, I mean, we all know parents who where the husband spends most of his time working, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. that is the thing that really does fulfill the desire of his heart. But he's a yeah. husband and a father. And as you've said before, your priority should be God, spouse, family, and then work. Yeah. What do you do when, when the desire of your heart, and you've experienced this with ministry, when it is fulfilled by the work, but you also have these other responsibilities that maybe on the surface don't seem nearly as, as fulfilling? How do you keep those priorities in order when the priorities don't reflect kind of your internal desires? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. And the answer is the same thing that I did back when I hated the job, but I needed to put a paycheck, you know, on the table, you know, and say, hey, I, I, I made something today. And so what, what happened is, is I was living by my priorities then. My priority at that time was I, I needed to provide for the family, even though I'm not doing something that f- fills my heart. Actually, it's, it's, you know, turning my stomach. I'm feeling ill doing this work. Um, and so what I didn't do is I didn't just dump out and say, I hate this. I quit. Um, and it's sometimes somebody gets to the point where that's what they need to say, but uh, you know, I didn't get to that point. I, I did not like it. I hated it. Um, 
but in, in time it grew on me. But fr from a practical standpoint, I was still living according to the priority of like, okay, like God, what do I need to be doing? Uh, what do I need to be doing for you, for Maria, for the kids? Um, and so the same thing happens is that e when I had to trust that God was going to fulfill me, even though uh, the work was stinky, I also have to trust that when it's stinky to follow God and take prayer time when I'd rather be making another sale, when it's stinky to uh, go do something with my wife when, gosh, there's an opportunity for me to to excel over here with this, you know, I, I, if I meet with this guy over here, we can make a connection and I, and I can grow the business even more. Again, I'm like, I have to die to myself. That's the cross side of it where it's just like, you know what? No, my wife comes before this other business thing that's extra. Work that in during the, the, the business day, fine. But after that, you know, it, it's a time I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you're still going to fulfill the desires of my heart within the confines of your priorities. And that's the summary. <laughs> it's like trusting that God will fulfill us as much as we get fulfilled in this lifetime within the confines of his priorities. And that's what eventually happened. So when I stuck to his priority of really, uh, of, going to work when I didn't want to, then he began to actually fulfill me through that job somewhat, which was amazing. He filled me with skills during that time. I actually began to enjoy the job and I got a, a lot of the other stuff that I was hoping for in terms of meaning out of that job. And then when it shifted to where I was, like even now where there's times where there's things that I really enjoy in my work and I have to die to myself and say, yeah, I can, I can get the fulfillment that you're giving me, Lord, within the confines, because it, you know, growing up, um, Maria and I, we set a limit and said at six o'clock, and oftentimes I was working from home, like I needed to walk away from my computer and say, okay, done. Um, and there's times it would go to 601, 602, 603, and you know, there'd be a little child coming to my office, come on, dad, it's time. I'm like, oh, yes, yes, okay. And I'm trying to break away from, uh, from the computer. It's like, oh, I just want to get this last thing done. So, you know, I, it's still hard because it feels that that, like getting one more thing done is going to fulfill me. Um, but the grace is living within the priorities. And so that's, that's really the big answer for all, for, for especially for dads is to say if you live within those priorities your your heart will be fulfilled not the instantaneous cotton candy filling but it'll give you the the filling that's really going to give you kind of the the meat and potatoes long term that you can look back and say yeah lord you like you really have knocked it out of the ballpark in my life thank you i think part of what's going on is that we as humans are really, really bad at making judgment calls about what's actually going to make us happy. Mm. I think that we're really good at knowing the thing in front of us. Like, like if I hop over to social media for 10 minutes, then I'm going to feel really good. Or there's that one, uh, one study they did where they had the, the kids and they put the marshmallow in front of them and said, you can't have the marshmallow. If you wait, you'll be allowed to have two. And I think that you know, yeah, don't don't eat the one in front of yeah, you. Just don't eat the one in front of minutes. you. <laughs> yeah, just stare at it. Yeah, and I think that that's like a, a great representation of the human condition because like the thing that's right in front of you is always so tantalizing. Even if you know, even if when you sat down in your as your better self and said, "God should be my number one priority," because I, as a Catholic, know that when I die, I'm either going to spend all eternity with Him or all eternity separated from Him. So that should be number one. Even if you sit down and make that decision, when the choice before you is prayer time or sleeping, sleep always feels better. 
Mm-hmm. It, it always in that particular moment, there's never a moment where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to abruptly end my sleep and go do the thing that I decided <laughs> I was going to do. No, it's like you, you have to form those habits. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and the, uh, the, the good news is with that is that, yes, it's hard to do, but the advantage to habits is that habits make things become easier. Never easy but they're definitely easier. And I, I'll even, as I've encouraged um, your, your siblings when it comes to prayer time, I said, you know what? They, I mean, they know that my normal schedule is that like my alarm goes off at 4.50 in the morning. You like you back up 10 years and it's like, I never would have been doing that. And like, and it's, it's hard to get out of bed. But what I tell, um, tell your siblings and tell other people is, is that every, every day that I do that, it actually gets easier. My body gets used to it. And so when your body gets used to it, there's an advantage to the habit because it's just it's easier to stay that course and it's not as big of a struggle. In the beginning, it's a huge struggle. So in the same way, putting my prayer time where it needs to be and putting that first and putting my relationship with Maria where it needs to be and making sure that I'm taking time with her in the evening so that we can just we can connect with each other and then going through you know, the kids and making sure I connect with, with each of them, find out how their day was going, make sure I bless them before they go to bed. Um, it'd be really easy to get off of that, but after doing it, it's easy to stay with it. Cause then there's expectations like, dad, you didn't bless me yet. You know, like we didn't, you know, let's, let's do that. So, so there's a, uh, again, there's, there's a beauty in habit, habit, uh, good habits, uh, which is what virtues are. <laughs> virtues are just good habits. Um, and they don't feel, I, I don't feel, they don't feel as meritorious to me after I do them in a, over a long period of time. Cause it's just what I do. Um, but praise God, I'm glad that the things that I'm doing that are good habits are called virtues and, and they, and that, bec- and they, they actually end up feeding me. So that's good news. And that's, uh, that's why I encourage people. It's like, even when it's hard in the beginning, when you stay the course, it gets easier. Speaking of good habits, one of the good habits you do with the family is the see for yourself guides every mm-hmm. Monday night. I'm an expert at transitions. I'm really proud of that one. The see for yourself approach is a fun and effective way to build fulfilling relationships with your kids while passing on the Catholic faith. The approach is simple. Dad uses viral YouTube videos as icebreakers to capture the attention and imagination of the whole family and then turns that captivation into lively discussion about life and the faith. We make implementing this approach easy by providing see for yourself guides. Each of these online guides includes one to three hand-selected videos along with questions, answers, and activities designed to engage the whole family. So what was the guide you did with the family this week? Yeah, so this week we did one on angels. And actually, I just want to back up a quick second. When it comes to this this good habit of weekly getting together with the family, it's not just a good thing. It's like God commands it. You know, it's right after the great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then it says, teach your children diligently at home. You know, like, Every day is what it goes on to say, um, and so it's like it, it's it's not just a good thing like exercise. It's like super necessary. And so we did the one this week on uh, on uh, there's a couple on angels. This particular one was really cool because it was about a little boy who had a life after death experience, and so the kids could just identify with him right away because he was a little guy, and when he came back. He knew things that he shouldn't have known. He knew that his mom, that he had another sister, that his mom had miscarried and that there was there, there was another sister. He knew that his father had a, um, 
had a ground paw that he called Pop. And so what happened is the kids were uh, just listening to his testimony. Of, and at this point, he's probably 10 years old when he's telling about the story, which happened when he was uh, about three. Um, the kids' eyes are kind of getting big and realizing, wow, it, it, it was bolstering their faith because they're realizing that that here is a life after death experience from somebody who's very credible and then within his experience he talked about these angels who came to him and he wasn't afraid and so after it was cute i said uh i said okay does this prove that angels exist and all the little younger kids said oh yeah you know like and they were convinced and i was like well okay so then i asked my 15 year old I said, does, does it prove? And she's like, well, no, it doesn't really prove. And I said, you're right. It, it, this is compelling evidence. Um, it's not absolute proof. And the younger kids were like, well, I think it's absolute proof. I was like, well, <laughs> it's not. Um, but it's very compelling. We don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt through his story that angels are, are true. But we do know beyond a shadow of doubt that angels are real because Jesus said so. And so, and so that was good because it was, what was awesome is that after that conversation happened, I just thought, you know what, we just had an experience at home <laughs> where we're together and they're hearing from me as their dad, affirming that angels are absolutely real. So they're hearing it out of my mouth, uh, which, you know, it was, it was on the guide. It said it, I was just reading what it said. So they're hearing it from their dad and it's also bolstering their faith. They're realizing here's another person who's alive while I'm alive. You know, this isn't a story from 50 years or 2000 years ago. It's now. So that was pretty uh, delightful and, and the kids responded well and it was a good session. That's all we have time for today. If you like what you've heard on the podcast, please subscribe, leave a five-star review and encourage your friends and family to do the same. If you want to support the work of Strong Catholic Dad, you can become a monthly sponsor for as little as $5 a month. I quit my job back in 2018 uh, to found Strong Catholic Dad, and as of right now, it's not enough to pay the bills. So anything that you can do is appreciated. Until next time, be strong in faith, strong in hope, and strong in love. God bless. Mm -hmm.